Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone with Chris Nee. This is an old-school style podcast. Just two guys, one microphone, in a hollow room. Hi, Chris. Hi, Brendan. <laughs> it's Monday morning, and we're feeling very much so like it's Monday morning, but a little energy because Florida State won and, and won handily against Syracuse, 35-17. to 17. I, got, I got the score right, right? You did. All right, 35-17, and, and really, man, like that score's not really indicative of what Florida State did. They were up to 35-3 to three at the end of the third quarter. Syracuse gets a couple of garbage time scores, which I know some people weren't happy about, but ultimately uh, it's, it's a game that was refreshing because Florida State hasn't had a lot of these lately um, in, in a few years. I'm not taking shots at any coaching staff, just it hasn't. There haven't been a whole lot of games in which you've been able to empty your bench out like like Florida State did this past week. So refreshing in that regard. Obviously, there was a lot of pressure and tension building throughout the week from uh, various reasons for Florida State coming off back-to-back losses and the pressure building on Willie Taggart, reports that were out. There's a lot of different things why there's pressure. Chris, I'll give you the platform here to do your wonderful two-minute recap of the game, and then we get into uh, what we what we liked about this, the big picture, the the micro, the macro, all that good stuff. Well, like you said, FSU controlled it from beginning to end. I think the start of the game is clearly Cam Akers, four rushing touchdowns, a career high for him, tying an FSU school record, 26 total points for him because he also scored a two-point conversion. Cam did a little bit of everything. He lined up at slot receiver. He lined up at quarterback. He lined up at running back. He threw the ball. He was part of a triple pass play that led to a 54-yard completion to Tamori and Terry. A little bit of everything. I thought the guy who they did a good job of kind of making a part of this game plan that we haven't seen in previous games, I would say was tight end Trey McKitty. He had four receptions for 40 yards. As far as Alex Hornibrook, 15 for 26 for 196. Serviceable. Not going to make a whole lot of it. Wasn't great. Wasn't bad. Very much in the middle. Um, Tommy DeVito, Syracuse quarterback, was quite awful. 20 for 33 for 151. Didn't have a touchdown. Sacked six times. FSU had seven total sacks in the game after going two straight games without any sacks, which was a good sign. If it didn't happen Saturday, I don't know if it was ever going to happen again. Um, FSU as a whole defensively was sound. You know, they kept uh, Tristan Jackson in check. He had five for 57 receiving. You know, Syracuse is very much a bang offense, big plays. FSU didn't really allow them to do that. I thought that was a very good thing. The garbage time, it is what it is. FSU's not at the point where they need to worry about how good they're playing in garbage time. They need to worry about how they're playing leading up to garbage time. So I'm not going to make much of that. I understand, though, Coach making a point of emphasis yeah. with that. It is something that you do want to see your team doing better as you work towards being right. a better Just team. Right, just the fan base be realistic that you're not, yeah. you're not yeah. there yet. We're not going to see a whole lot of garbage time going forward outside of maybe Alabama State. Maybe. Um, I don't think we see it this week. I don't think we see it next week at BC. Um, no Ricky Aguayo in the game. Considered sick, according to FSU. Parker Grothaus handled kicking. He did have an extra point blocked. Actually, had two blocked. One made its way through. The other one did not. That's about it. There's not really. I mean, Syracuse was mighty unimpressive, and FSU played well. FSU did exactly what they should do in that kind of game in their home stadium. You know, compliments to them. I thought Syracuse was dreadfully bad. Kind of amazed how bad Syracuse got really fast. How quickly compared to last year? Definitely, definitely. And and so that's let's go into the big picture because I don't think either of us thought. And I know speaking to some other reporters too, like I didn't think there was a ton to to glean from this game. Big picture, like Florida State did what it was supposed to do, and maybe then a little bit more. Obviously, they they covered the spread and then some against the Syracuse team that. You know, for as balanced as the ACC is with with average teams, and Florida State's <laughs> in that in that mix. David Hale had a good tweet on that, just how close so many teams are. Florida State isn't the only one that's close to 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 you know only being a one loss team. There's about four or five others that could be one loss teams or one win teams too. 
Uh, Syracuse isn't in that mix, so Syracuse is, is awful. They have guys quitting on them literally <laughs> before the game. Uh, with that being said, Florida State took care of business. And in the Willie Taggart era and, and, and even you know before then when this program was starting its, its decline, we haven't seen that a ton. So to, to me, that's at least a positive. That's something that, like, I don't want to make too much of it, Chris, but but that is something that, like, okay, that's cool. That's a step in the right direction. If this program is going to get to where it needs to be under Willie Taggart for him to be a sustainable long-term coach, this is the stuff you have to start doing. And, and so well, that was important. I think some of the big positives is, is, you know, pass rush hasn't been there the last few weeks. They come out immediately first defensive play, get a sack. That's important. Mm-hmm. Offensively, they come out score two quick touchdowns. The offense sputtered for a brief period there. Then we saw a lot of wild cam, and it kind of got going again. But they were fine. They kind of bounced back from taking the jabs and struggling. And most of, truthfully, most of the struggles were self-inflicted. A couple negative plays spoiled one drive where they were moving it some. There were those kind of issues. I wouldn't really say Syracuse was doing anything to really get at them. No. You know, FSU only allowed two sacks on the day, both on Alex Hornibrook. Um, overall, I thought the O-line played really well. We saw the O-line kind of shaken up, which I thought was an interesting thing. And truthfully was about as positive as I've been about an offensive line at FSU in half a decade. Um, Dante Lucas, before he got banged up, played really, really well. Darius Washington did his job at a high level for a true freshman. He's going to have bad moments, as a true freshman should, but he's doing better than Jawan Williams or Abdul Bello have done at any point for FSU in the last two years. With substantially more experience. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew Baselli handling center duties with Bavion Johnson not playing because he got banged up last week. Thought Baselli played well. Snaps, for the most part, were good on the day. I feel like Andrew's a very good run blocker. I felt like FSU got a great surge at the front. I felt like I saw the O-line working to the second level better on Saturday than I've seen in other games. Now, some of that is the interior of the D-line for Syracuse doesn't set the world on fire. Their talents are two edge rushers. Mm -hmm. But I just felt like they fired off the ball better. Contact was better. The finishing of plays was better. I thought that was a big positive. Willie Taggart was fired up on Saturday. That was cool to um, see. You know, people love to get knee-deep in his emotions and all that. I don't really enjoy doing that, but I thought he was more fired just, up on you Saturday. You just Shut up. I just thought he was more fired up on Saturday than I can recall him being in past games. Uh, there was an instance early in the game. I want to say FSU had 13 on the board at that point. Really, really fired up. It was more so I noticed that on TV watching the replay mm-hmm. then on Saturday. Also, when DeKalen Brooks kind of got finished into the ground after a play, kind of a dirty – you know, Should have been a penalty. Yeah, basically, why is this happening? It's unnecessary on the play. He was pissed about it, and he let it be known to the officials. He went out and checked on his player. You know, He was fired up. I thought those were good things to see. And I think we can kill the narrative of, is this team going to quit or is this team mentally fragile? They're not. Yeah. Saturday, well, Saturday was a perfect opportunity for them to fold up camp. The guys who they roll out on the field are not. There are guys that are quitting. There's the guys that have decided they're not going to play here anymore. Logan Tyler looks like Kyle Myers falls in that boat. There's others we can discuss. Anthony Grant, Warren Thompson, plenty of others that are kind of fringe guys. Yeah. But the ones they're depending on on Saturday, the ones they roll out, that the ones who are actually playing the game, are playing hard. With that in mind, you did say some guys aren't quitting and, and some – you mentioned that. What is it, mentally? I don't want to – I don't remember what you said. Was it mentally weak or not uh, mentally fragile? Two, yeah. di- two different things. Uh, but 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 this was a good example of showing some some strength mentally uh, toughness. The team doesn't quit though. I will say that. And and you know each each week since I think it was after the Virginia game, I decided to ask you know the same three questions after each game and thought that would be a useful tool to kind of see like okay where are we with with this team's improvement under Willie Taggart? And the one thing that's been a definitive yes with the yes or no questions I ask each week. This team still play hard for Willie Taggart every single week. It's been yes. Yeah. Uh, until that becomes a no, like I'm not, 
Um, well, if it becomes there, no, we're done. Then that's what that's but that's the last. I don't think it's going to me. become a no for this team unless something goes really, really bad yeah. against, say, Miami or maybe Florida. But Florida's the end. I think we all expect them to lose. But you know, say Miami jumps on them early and they play poorly, and we do see it against Miami. It's super concerning. But I'm not expecting to see it anymore. I don't feel like this team has been that this year at any point. If- oh, hey, guys, sorry about that. Uh, the interruption real quick here. There was some technical difficulties, so you missed about 30 seconds of a Chris Snee rant. Promise you you didn't miss much. It wasn't a rant. Mm. But that was an issue even before yeah. Willie. Well, the last time they went to Boston College under Jimbo, yeah. uh, they, that team did quit. Um, I think it's also just important for them to realize they can be good. Sure. Like they, to maximize their ability. Mm-hmm. They're not a great football team. They've got major deficiencies at some spots. They've got some major holes. But be as good as you can be on a week-to-week basis and do it consistently, I think, is a very important building block for this program. Maybe you learned that you're not a bad football team this week. Yeah. I think there was some confirmation those, with that, too. If they win those, I think we see year three of Willie without any debate. I think so, if too. If they lose one of those, it gets interesting. and It depends on who they lose to, how they lose, all those kind of things. And then the Florida game is – you know, one I expect them to lose. So I'm including that as a loss in this conversation. Uh, I agree with that, Chris. And, and it's weird, though, to me that we talk about this fine line of of you win one, you know, if you win but two they games. they back themselves into a corner. I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. It's more I'm just interested in that dynamics. I think there's truth, a lot of truth to what you're saying. It's very sensible. I remember having Joey Knight on, Joey Knight on the podcast uh, in the preseason, and Joey covered Willie Taggart for almost the entirety of his tenure at USF. And and I was talking about the thin, the thin line that Willie was dealing with at, at Florida State going into the season. And Joey appropriately pointed out that his entire career, Willie's entire career, is a thin line uh, where he was almost fired against or at USF that week going into Syracuse. They were going to play Syracuse, and there were legitimate rumors that, that Willie was going to be fired. And here we are a few years later uh, that obviously if Willie Taggart doesn't win that game, he, he's not here at Florida State now, and here we are with – those rumors, similar rumors running wild at Florida State against Syracuse, and there's something poetic to that. Uh, but the next few weeks, I think, are going to be very interesting. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, and then I want to break down the game a little bit more detailed, and then uh, we'll get into Miami stuff next week. But we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back, Chris. I want to uh, to just go over a few things, a few talking points that we already kind of touched on, but go on them a little bit more in depth for this game, uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap up Syracuse, and it's on to Miami. Uh, quarterback, uh, we got word. <laughs> Damn it, dude, I was chasing quarterback news again before the game, and, and uh, it turned out to be accurate uh, in that there was legitimate news, and uh, Alex Hornerbrook uh, was named the starter uh, this week, and it happened later in the week, I guess, but 
but we find that out on Saturday morning. At this point, I think you kind of have to keep starting Alex until you lose, right? Yeah. I said a couple weeks ago, I think you pick a guy and you ride that guy, and if it goes bad, then you go back to the other guy. That's how it works. It shouldn't be based on a series or even maybe a couple series, but kind of feel the rhythm, feel the flow, feel how it's going, and, you know, do it. And I think we saw on Saturday that when they need basically a relief pitcher at some point for Alex, they kind of went to Cam, Mm -hmm. which was a positive, went back to Alex. FSU got a substantial lead, went to James to close it out and give him a little bit of an opportunity on Saturday, too. I think that's fine. Like They don't have a great quarterback. The best quarterback on the field on Saturday may have been Cam Akers. So, <laughs> so like, you, you just you go with whoever's going to help put points on the board, and it works at that moment in that time. I don't, I don't think they need to get stuck in deep thought about who the hell they need to play at that position. I think it's more who makes sense for the opponent we're playing and what they've done during this week and where we stand and what we need. And Alex... The best thing Alex brings to the dynamic is that he's cool and calm. It's a great influence. James has struggled with that, and it's gotten worse as the season's gone on. James is also pressing in game situations, as we saw at Wake Forest in a week before. I think Alex brought kind of a different approach to that, but I don't want to make Alex out as though he had a great game. There were a couple 50-50 balls that he got lucky on. The arm strength is yeah, it, limits you. And it's sure. going to be what it is. It's not magically going to get better. So, you know, you roll with it, you game plan for it, and you go forward. But FSC's quarterback dynamic is that they need, I think, more so a group than solely an individual at this point. What I took away as we think about the quarterbacks, uh, so there's two things. One, let's get into this one first. The one is when you watch Cam Akers and the wild cam and what that did to defense. Holy crap, you need to get a mobile quarterback in position to operate the offense. For oh, our next RPO, year. it was the first time we've seen RPO look just beautiful. And my God, it was so and nearly, and, nearly threw, and Cam only threw like it was clear on Saturday times. it was working, but rewatching it, right. watching the blocking, watching the decisions, watching how it worked. Oh man! Because what it does to defense and Syracuse defense isn't bad. It's not good. It's probably a tick below average. They do some things well. Their edge rushers are really good. The, the game plan I really like what Willie and Kendall put together for this. Uh, the wild cam, what it did, man, it froze those those defensive ends and those linebackers. It neutralized Syracuse's strengths and. It just shows what with what a mobile quarterback can do with this offense, whether it's Willie's or Kendall's or and, both. Yeah. They both run a similar scheme. In two years, they've wanted to do this, yeah. regardless of who was calling offensive plays. Yeah. They've just not had the personnel to actually. And that's do it. a that's a bigger issue that we've been critical of, and I think still remains on the table. Almost almost more so, like kind of. But it whetted the appetite of man if they actually got the know. right guy for that spot in this offense. It's clear that this offense can be much, much better. Now, Derek the King flip King. side of that is the day that Cam Akers walk out the door, you're losing a great, great FSU player who's a workhorse who's having one hell of a Dude, season. Dude, his turnaround from where he was a year ago to now, I, I know we've talked about it. I know we've written about it. Between being it's discouraged and injury last year, it was a miserable year for the yeah. guy, and he got banged hard every play <laughs> and Crazy. couldn't keep his feet. And Crazy. this year... He, he's one dishing out the punishment. He's taking hits. His yards after contact is absurdly high. He's been outstanding. Yeah. And and he this, the approach is the exact same regardless of opponent, week, game plan, how he fits into it, all of it. He's been the same cam from beginning to end this year so far. Uh, I agree. And that's going to be tough when, when you lose. When you lose and we expect him to be gone after the season. I know people have asked on the message board whether we think he'll be back. It would be batshit crazy for him to return. Take, that, take that money, man. There's You're only running so much back. tread on the tire. You're buddy. running back, and they're running you into the ground this year, which they probably should do schematically. You're the best thing that that offense has, clearly. Um, 
Yeah, so, so with the quarterback situation, I, I think this is eye-opening to what they need. Uh, the failure to do so is pretty damning to this point to get a guy who's a true mobile quarterback in position to contribute for you. Uh, but you still have time to do it right now. Again, if, if Willie gets through these next few games here, if he can win three in a row, I feel like both of us are very confident that, that Willie gets a year three. And if he can get a quarterback who can come in and contribute in that sense, uh, this is more speculative of me, man. But I think we're seeing the, the end of James Blackman at Florida State. Uh, it looks like Florida State's moving on from him. Now, maybe James decides to to stay. But you know, the fact that they've Florida State's looked for James's replacement several times now, right? And yeah, it, it just would be tough to see that envisioning that this is the perfect fit for him. And that sucks. I like James. I like what he brings. But with the deficiencies of the talent around him and, and James' strengths and weaknesses, they just haven't meshed very well together. Are you currently acting like Trent Dilfer when he said the Patriots were done and then the Patriots just went on that crazy run? That's kind of the moment I'm having. I agree with you. Uh-huh. I'm not going to completely dismiss James having resurgence, but I agree that the offense needs a quarterback that's not currently. I mean, I'm not completely dismissing it either. You know I'm pretty nuanced right. with, with that either. I'm just saying right now, like – if they continue to go with, with Hornerbrook the rest of the season, and, and we both are under the assumption they will be back in the quarterback market looking for someone who can uh, who can be a king in this Yeah, beyond, beyond just you, you Jeff Sims I, coming in, they definitely are going to have to get what I did there, bulk Chris? up that room once again. A king? Okay, you're just playing with internet rumors. Loosey-goosey. Uh, no, I'm not saying Fast that. I'm not saying that's offensive. I'm saying they would look for someone in that mold of a, of a Derek King who would... <laughs> Who would be a mobile quarterback that can come in um, and play right away? I think is kind of what we're looking at here, man. I don't know. Are you think I'm being uh, reckless? No, no, no. I I agree with you that it's clear that they need the quarterback for the system. They're trying to run for the system to be run at max efficiency. It makes the O line look better too. Which when you're trying to hide that, which they've done a good job of this year, yes. and Randy Clements has done a good job of making that group better and maximizing what he has at his disposal. But a quarterback makes that group look a whole hell of a lot better when it works And we saw right. that with Cam. That's exactly And I don't want to belabor the point. Because, like, the block might only last mm-hmm. a second and a half, but if the guy's already running by him, it don't matter. Yep. You're good. And, again, with the with impact, what it does to the defense, I thought we saw that it, We saw that clearly against Syracuse, what it does to the defense. When they saw that Cam was a threat to run and throw, when he completed those first couple passes, it completely changed the way they were attacking FSU. Yep. Uh, the one other thing on the quarterback dynamic before we move on to the run game and to the offensive line, which I want to talk about because – you smiled when talking about the offensive line. I smiled at you smiling about the offensive line. It's been a while since we've been there. But, but first, uh, the play calling, I know it's something we talked about on the podcast. It turned into a big old deal. And I think some people took things that we were saying out of context, which happens. But uh, Willie Taggart was not using the play sheet. Was not, didn't have, he did not have his head buried in the play sheet like he did last week. We confirmed through what, four different sources that, that there was a different dynamic against Wake Forest uh, than maybe there had been previously, that Willie had a bigger input on on a lot of play calling uh, from from a micro perspective and more so from the, the actual game plan, the script perspective too. Coach Taggart seemed very CEO-like on Saturday. And that was a good look. It worked Saw well. him run around, give the offense all attaboys after a touchdown, the entire unit that was out there together. You know, you saw him talking to individual players when things went good, when things went bad. You saw him talking with his assistant coaches and coordinators at different moments. You obviously saw him John with the officials because that game was kind of wildly officiated. A lot mm-hmm. of penalties to be expected with the two teams that were on the field, two of the highest penalized teams in the country. But I, I just saw he kind of looked like he did earlier in the season when he had more of that CEO mm-hmm. broad umbrella approach to dealing with his entire squad. And 
I, I think so too, and uh, and I do think that going with Alex to me, uh, this is speculative. This is more me connecting dots. I'm just trying to be transparent here. Uh, that Kendall Browse was more a fan of what Alex could do, or felt maybe more comfortable calling a calling a game with Alex because he was a little bit. The highs and lows are less with Alex Hornibrook than there with James, as we mentioned earlier. And I think that's a big deal for Kendall, given the deficiencies on offense. So, so I assume that, that Kendall had more input with that decision this week. Do you, do you think that's a fair assumption, Chris? I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't heard one way or the other. I know that Alex took a predominant amount of the snaps on Friday in their kind of walkthrough practice type deal. Mm-hmm. So it was clear that at that point, that's where they were going with it. But I don't know how they reached that point. I don't know. No, and I don't. I don't know for you either. I'm again. I'm more just just connecting dots here. But I know that's not your. Uh, I know that's not your your deal. You're not a dot connector. All right. So, offense, regardless, looked like it had an approach and identity, which was cool and a big reason for that. I think obviously Cam Akers is is a huge reason, but the offensive line, man, the the offensive line. I don't want to get ahead of myself and say it's all figured out. No, uh, no. The, 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 the way the way I look at it is last year it was horrible. This year, it's been bad. The offense was non-existent let me finish, let me, last year. Let me, it was awful. Willie yeah. kind of said something when he was looking at the stats last year. He was like, yeah, man, we were really bad. Yeah, I think it was Ira asked him about Cam and the running game maybe on Thursday. It was some point, yeah. And, uh, he, In the middle he of the week. kind of responded with, yeah, we, we were awful offensively last year. But it's the truth. They were. I mean, they it was non-existent most of the time. So, so in the, mainly, uh, not – Solely, but mainly primarily because of what they couldn't do with the offensive line. It was awful last year. This year, it's been bad. Uh, now, I think we're starting to see it kind of get to below average, maybe. Like, th- there's a chance, in, and granted, yeah, I think Miami and Florida are going to present much more issues with the athletes they're going to put up on the defensive front than uh, what we've seen you know, the last two weeks. Uh, but Florida State's run for a combined 400 yards the last two weeks. That hasn't happened in the Willie Taggart era where they've had back-to-back. I don't think they've had back-to-back games that can combine for 300 yards rushing. So uh, the offensive line seems to have found something. I think one with Cole Minshew coming back, he's been uh, stabilizing. Uh, Boselli has looked good, uh, average, but, but fi- average is fine. Below average is even fine. Just be consistent at what you're doing. And uh, the emergence of Darius Washington, who they they still have to hide a little bit. I think the, they're running away from him a lot, but they're he's helping he, with tight ends and stuff. He's too, handling right? he's handling his business. He needs to cut down yeah. on the pressures. But for a true freshman who who wasn't expected to play left tackle this year and, and is now starting at it, um, they have something. And he that's touches cool. the opponent and he's physical. Yes. With the opponent, and yeah. he actually fires off the ball and goes gets. I like it. All of those things are improvements. I, I'm going to pat myself. Can I pat myself on the back with Darius? That, that was an evaluation early on. The O-line's I, I gonna liked be, what he could do. The well, O-line's going to continue to have peaks and valleys. As you said, the bra- athletes are going to face in the coming weeks. They're going to have some issues with those. But I think the thing that's come along here is they have eight to ten guys they can kind of rotate and trust and that they know they can throw in a game situation. They've, they found some combinations that seem to yeah. be working, and Cole's been a big part of that mm-hmm. with his return. Yeah, Dante Cole's Lucas a- goes out of the game, and, and Brady Scott comes in, and, and they're still moving people. Yeah. Like that's Less that's Mike cool. Arnold's been good for them, more Cole Minshew's <laughs> been good for them. It's true. No, I'm not. I'm just laughing at people saying that we – yes. I'm just – Mike Arnold's – Action on FSU's O-line has dropped in recent weeks, and FSU's production via the <laughs> offensive line has risen. These are clear facts. Chris, you clearly don't know what you're talking about, or yeah. you have a bias against okay. Mike Arnold. Good for him. Uh, no, it looks, it looks again, it, the, 
what we're grading the last two games versus what we're going to see coming up here, I think are going to be markedly different. They're going to really see if this offensive line is better, but they at least seem to be doing some things well. The push is actually there, and uh, and that's cool to see, but that's that's at least positive. Can you sustain it? I don't know, but, but at um, least you have some reason for optimism at that position for the first time between Dante Lucas, Darius Washington, Baselli looking like he's doing something. Like you, you have something there for the Trey first McKitty time. Trey McKitty blocked his ass off. He did. He did. Uh, and there was it their final touchdown, I think, when, when LeBorn scores. Uh, you know, McKitty blocks up a guy one-on-one, and, and they score because of what he does there. McKitty's had some real good games this year. He's also had a couple where I'm sure he would have liked to have done better, but I thought Saturday was one of the best of his career. Yeah, yeah, and they made it a point to get it to him. And, and part of it, uh, we had kind of heard maybe that they were, that was going to be an emphasis going into the week. Turns out it was. That's really cool. I mean, he, he takes that short screenplay and, and takes a – should be a two-yard gain and makes it 20-something. Uh, but what he did as a blocker was good. But part of this, man, and this is moving on to the skill positions, and then we'll get a defense and we'll wrap it up here. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of skill positions right now. They, they are very shorthanded there. So you saw them again with the game plan – uh, utilize the tight ends a lot more going with with some uh, semblance of a power running game works out because you only dressed five scholarship wide receivers with yeah. injuries and Warren Thompson not being there only two scholarship running backs these are legitimate concerns that we had going into the season the depth at both those positions that's why when I was critical of them not signing more skill guys or really any skill guys on scholarship in this in this recruiting cycle that was why is what we're seeing now but to the credit of Florida State this week with Trey McKinney kind of leading the way uh, those tight ends, uh, neighbors, McDonald, uh, fringe guys played really well, and they played. They did a really great job uh, catering to what they had to work with. Yeah, and to the point of skill positions, Akerns and LeBorn are your only running backs. At tight end, you got Trey, Cam, and Gabe, all who have been very good contributors from Trey's produced stats, Gabe's produced stats, Cam's had limited opportunities. And But he's playing more, too, if you look yes. at his, Yeah, he's, and he does um, fine when he's out and there. And then receiver, good. you've lost Pokey Wilson, you've lost Keyshawn Helton. You know, DJ, you suspended a game, but other than that, he's played. And then you've had kind of your common core to Maureen Terry, Keith Gavin, Treshawn Harrison. And Warren Thompson has been, you know, used in six games, not played in the last two. Seems sort of unreliable at this point to expect much of him. Seems like he's having some issues within the team dynamic that he needs to get worked out in order to get back out there on the field. Um, for the record, he's still part of the team. He's not in the transfer portal as of late last night. He just we checked on Sunday. Night. He just wasn't there yesterday on the Saturday. And I can, or I'm sorry, on Saturday on Saturday. And he wasn't practicing on Wednesday. I saw. Him. Yeah, I, I'll but be honest, then, I just we, then we see him on Thursday come out. So. Yeah, it's a strange deal, but uh, I think the main person getting him Warren Thompson's way is Warren Thompson. Yes, and one thing I would say is that this was something that the FSU wasn't. They were hoping didn't happen, but they knew last year that that was kind of a volatile situation. They were thought thinking that maybe he would – they didn't know whether they would have him going into this year too. Again, when I come back to you, you need to have to load it up maybe a little bit more with the skill guys than what you did, which was nothing, and bank on this year's class. Um, you kind of backed yourself into a corner here. Hopefully that resolves itself, though, as early as this week so you can have him because clearly there, there's reps to be had. They need him in the rotation uh, you see Jordan Young had the really, really nice, uh, almost a 30-yard catch, but just how acrobatic he was in garbage time. Uh, but he played throughout the game, too. He had almost 30 snaps. And uh, and that was really cool to see him get out there because he's someone who, who you know, the abusement park, he was a fan favorite with with uh, what he did as a as a senior in high school and what his highlight tape looked like. And, and maybe he's someone who ends up playing a little bit more down the stretch. But uh, you're going to clearly, I think, Chris, have to be creative with how you use your wide receivers and, and running backs the rest of the way. Fair? Yeah. 
All right, defense, uh, as we literally turn the page here, go ahead and turn it. Turn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how paper, how paper sells. All right, defense, we mentioned no sacks going into the Syracuse game uh, based on the two previous games. Yeah, the last sack was Mari Gaynor's in the fourth quarter against NC State before Saturday. Which, feel, if it felt like an eternity ago, I mean, there was a bye week, too, so it had literally yeah. been a month since, yeah. since they would recorded a sack, but they come out there. They but, only record sacks in Doak, apparently. That's like the uh, new rule. Uh... I can't think of anything clever to, to say. They had some at Virginia, so that's not true. But, yeah, Saturday was a good day for them defensively. I thought, you know, Hampson Azardin clearly 17 tackles. Hasn't happened since A.J. Nicholson had 19 back. They used him as five. a blitzer, which I'm okay he with. He was clearly like – uh, Willie complimented Harlan Barnett for the way he featured Nas yeah. in the game plan. It was clear as day from the get-go, from the first play, that that was the truth. That was the – way they intended to use them. Syracuse, you know, they try to go vertical and they run a lot of comeback stuff, so there's not a whole lot in between. So you're gambling a bit, maybe allowing the vertical, but if he gets home or you create pressure, they're not going to have time to go to vertical. I think that was kind of the belief by FSU's defensive scheme of Mm -hmm. we're going to keep everything underneath or we're going to pressure the quarterback. Yeah, they forced DeVito to be accurate and he was anything but. I I did think the cornerbacks were consistently in good place too. Uh, I know – uh, people have turned in to be a little bit more critical of Stanford Samuels and than any, I think we all thought he'd be better than where he is at this point, but he had a nice game, yep. aided by DeVito not throwing the Targeted ball particularly 12 well. 12 times, allowing four receptions. Yeah. And, probably, yep. uh, and then two or three of those would probably DeVito not throwing the ball. And there was well, one but, he was on it, and the guy yeah. literally just snatched it from Yeah, Stanford he was in Samuels. position consistently. That was really good to see against a team that, that can be dangerous uh, vertically. Uh, I think before garbage time started at the end of third quarter, uh, Syracuse entered, I'll put it this way, Syracuse entered the fourth, averaging less than four yards per play. It was 3.7, I think, off the top of my head, but they finished with 4.1. Regardless, uh, you played really good defense throughout the entirety of the game. Uh, the run defense was kind of up and down, but I think you were kind of playing to just preventing big plays and being a little soft underneath. That's fine. The, uh, the run defense, when it needed to be good, was Robert Cooper specifically was awesome. He was fantastic, had probably the best game of his career. And, uh, and a week after looking like kind of like an absentee player against Wake Forest, uh, he showed some really good bursts and strength. So that was good. Linebackers, I thought, continue to be solid. Nothing great, but they're not hurting you anymore. They're not looking like liabilities. That's really, really good. That's Depth positive. isn't great there again. We're back yeah. in that cycle. Kalen Deloach saw a little play defensively. He's played yeah, he three games. Snaps. But a majority of it had been special teams before Saturday, but we actually saw him out there on defense. Yeah. I think there was one point where we saw five freshman defenders out there, McClendon, I want to say it was McClendon, Dent, Deloach, McCray. Probably and, a corner. Was it Green? And maybe it was Green. When they, their sub packages, and they've done, man, for what they were in, against Boise State when Woody, that was just. Woody got some PTO. Yes, he did. He was too. out there a nice amount too, but there was such a shit show against Boise State. The substitutions, where it's come from, how much better they are at it now, I want to give the defensive staff credit because uh, they're they're doing a really nice job keeping guys fresh and substituting guys in uh, and, and finding ways to get young guys reps and maybe we could talk about that miss that opportunity with ULM with the way that game played out too that's one of those games where you expect the fourth quarter get guys who you want to get burned to you get them out there and instead you're in a dogfight trying to win going all the time I mean we saw it against uh, Samford last year too and it's been far too frequent so let's let's talk about that real quick as we wrap this up Chris Uh, how many true freshmen saw the field well, in a year, it's up to, I believe, 13 now total. But, but I'm just o- saying offensively, yeah. we saw Ira Henry and Marie Smith make their first appearances. Darius Washington started. Dante Lucas started. Uh, Jay Williams, who's not a freshman but a newcomer, he played his first appearance. Uh, on defense, you have Little Woody, 
You have Akeem Dent. You have Renardo Green. You have Jaleel McCray. You have Brennan Gant. You have Kaylin uh, Deloach. Deloach. You have Derek McClendon. True Thompson. Uh, True Thompson so played 12. in, yes. So that, and that's we gotta be 12 in that game. Maybe someone. Um, let me look real quick here on this list. Brownlee was hurt. Yeah, Brownlee's hurt. Got a boot on his foot, so he's not playing. Offensively, there's no skill. That's freshman, so no. Also saw some redshirt freshmen, so Jordan Young, for example, mm-hmm. uh, get a little more PT than they've had in their career up to this point. So, yeah, so, they're relying on a bunch. Uh, as Florida State tries to get back at a, at a better level, uh, a consistently high winning level, you have to find ways to get young guys in games and get them some burn. There's pieces. It keeps people involved. Well, there's the positive says It keeps guys involved. It allows you to do uh, legitimate evaluations of how guys do in game time. You obviously build experience. I think it's good for morale. It's good for selling recruiting, too. For sure. So you're these are all play things that you, the, There's pieces from 18 and 19 that can help this team. They're helping them right now, and there's pieces that are certainly going to help them in the future. There's also positions where there's deficiencies from those two classes that have now become deficiencies on the roster because the older guys have aged out, gotten hurt, whatever it is, left the program that they need to fix. That's the key for them with the 20 class is fixing deficiencies while also expecting more from the young guys. Uh, the one young guy I haven't seen who I still want to see, and you know who it's going to be, Kevon Glenn. Killed me. I really hoped we would see him on Saturday. You're not the at this only point, one. I'm starting to think we're just not going to see him. I think that's a safe assumption to, to have at this point. Yeah, I actually did the rundown this morning of uh, participation on Check it out on Knowles247.com. Yeah, real quick on the guys who have yet to play. Jordan Travis, Anthony Grant, personal reasons. Christian Meadows, injury. Curtis Fan, Quayshon Ford, Malcolm Ray, Kevon Glenn, Travis J, academic issues. Ryan Fitzgerald, who, who knows? You know, if Parker keeps getting extra points blocked and Ricky, they move away from him, we may see him. Ricky too. was just sick. Yeah, but there's still the possibility they move away from him. Depends on how he does in practice. Coin flip. So I had to be <laughs> That's snarky. That's my line. <laughs> I had to be snarky once in the podcast. It was too positive. It was too positive. Right, real quick on Miami. Would, well, I don't want to get – It think makes we no do, sense ever, right? That well, we're going to set – the FSU-Miami game never makes any sense. You could write down um, right now exactly how you expect FSU-Miami to go, and it's not going to go They just better hope way. it doesn't come down to a field goal because <laughs> that's a bit shaky. Uh, I wanted. We'll do a podcast later this week because some X and O stuff to talk Miami. It's two teams that are 500, and I want to talk about big picture stuff because you guys know I love doing that. But uh, we'll have Newberg and and Neat basically talk about the big recruiting weekend. FSU is building this as a pretty big one. It'll be like a 20, 25-minute podcast. I say that now means it'll be 40, 45. But, but yeah, we'll we'll get to that later in the week. Uh, This is going to be a big week for for FSU and Willie, though. I think this is a pretty substantial one and one that's going to be important. So, all right, Chris is getting a phone call. I know that means I'm losing him. Thank God Josh wasn't here or else we would have lost him about 10 minutes ago. Uh, Josh will be with us. He has family in town right now. So he'll be with us on Thursday. That's the plan right now. Guys, thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative. It was nice to talk about a win. I think there's a lot of positives today. uh, But but the next few weeks are going to tell a lot about Willie Taggart's career. For Chris Knee, this is Brendan Sinone with the Knowles 24-7 podcast on the bench, sticking the landing.